You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Um, one update, which actually you guys will be the first to know, um, <clears throat> I just got laid off. So uh, I am no longer the text expander. <laughs> uh, that's sad. It's, it is, but it's also no surprise. Like uh, I right knew there. this was going to happen as, as soon as, uh, the pandemic started to, uh, like, or no, once we knew that we were really facing a pandemic and, uh, and everything started shutting down and all of the conferences started shutting down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as soon as that happened, I knew it was just a matter of time. And, uh, so I mean, really since March, I was just doing, um, um, stuff like, because I had no job, even though I was still part of the company there was there was nothing for me to do so uh, uh, you know so it's it wasn't a surprise and it was something that um that we all handled gracefully and uh you know so it just is what it is yeah but uh, uh so anyhow when you introduce me you don't have to to uh say that i'm the text expander evangelist okay <laughs> Just every, everything else, evangelist. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, what are you going to do next, then, Jeff? I don't know yet. Um, um, you know, I, I, I'm going to take a few days and just kind of, uh, um, figure out just you know what my routine is now, and you know, have, have a little bit of time to decompress. Um, you know, a- actually, um. I've been so busy that I haven't had time for for my own projects for well like two years now. So I've been uh bouncing this idea for my own podcast in my head for like two years. And I'm thinking now I have the opportunity to actually uh, get get my my own personal podcast started. So oh, that's cool. that's probably one of the things that will happen. Hmm. Oh, we'll look out for that. Yeah. Well, we can talk about that. We can talk about that. We talk about all sorts of things. I mean, anything that comes to mind, really, to be honest, because a lot of this news is a from last week, and none of it is actually very exciting. There is nothing going on at the moment. No, there is not very much going on. That is true. So we could just talk about uh, whatever Star Trek. We can talk about Star Trek. You know that Raspberry <laughs> yes, Pi yes. with eight gigs of RAM. Don't, don't, yes. any, don't anybody mention Picard. Oh, okay, it. like, <laughs> oh wait, yeah. don't. Still in, boys. It's going to be a long one. Discovery is good. You know, yeah. If you want to talk Star Trek, I can make the show as long as you want it to be. 
Yeah, right. Before we go into this, what are your thoughts on start the don't, start the tape, don't. Simon? No, 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 keep it for the show. Don't, don't, do not start him on Picard for God's sake. Uh, um, Picard, we... it's like Donald Trump recommending bleach because you've got something in your eye. <laughs> oh, I laugh only because it hurts. Um, it's the truth. That's why the truth it's... always hurts. Um, hey, this Raspberry Pi thing, the eight gig RAM version. Yep. To me, that's cool. The cooler thing is that we have the Raspberry Pi 4. I built a Plex server out of one of these, and it's oh, cool. Wow. Oh, definitely save that really for the show, because well. I, I have got questions about that. Oh, now that, okay. yeah, we can definitely talk about that. We can definitely talk about that. Um, All right. There we Could go. you make a Hackintosh or one? Uh, no, because it's an ARM chipset, and there isn't there wouldn't be the drivers for it. Mm. Oh, yep, that's true. Although I've tried to build a Hackintosh and I failed every single time. But I'm doing it the, uh, the more roundabout way, which is using, oh, what's it called? It's escaped me. But there's two ways to do a Hackintosh. One's more generic and one's more, um, you have to compile your own stuff. And none of them are working, but I, I'm, I will stick with it one day. It, I've precisely got two hours worth of attention span. After that, I get a bit bored. <laughs> All right. So, so what that tells me is any project you take on has to be no longer than a two-hour project, or at least, or at least segmented into two-hour blocks. Yeah, because that is my absolute limit of um, concentration. I don't know why. <laughs> it's like I think you just get to a point that if it's progressing, it sort of it becomes more of a salmon sort of experiment where you're just swimming against the tide instead of it actually bloody working. Okay, but see, the salmon reached their goal. So what I'm thinking is you need to reward yourself with sex like salmon do, and now you'll be able oh, to, oh, to I, go I have longer. You know, I will have you know I'm doing perfectly all right for sex. I filled out two forms this week, and it said sex, male or female, and I ticked that box and then sat down and had a pint thinking, well, that was foreplay. <laughs> yeah. What should you take? Uh, I, I take the other box just because I like messing with statistics. <laughs> you know, if you check both, you increase your odds. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> well, we know what Jeff's new podcast is going to be about how to increase your sex life with Jeff Gamut. <laughs> It'll either be an incredible success or an incredible failure. <laughs> but it'd be incredible either which way. <laughs> and that's I did have matters. a story for uh, today, but I cannot find it now. Oh dear! Right. What were your thoughts on Westworld then, Jeff? Did you watch that thing? I did. Um, I I enjoyed it, um, but I didn't see it as a, an incredible work of art like some people do. To me, it was. A, uh, a a fun evening diversion. I would say yes. I would say this season felt more like a special effects tech reel showcase than actually focusing on the story itself. Like mm -hmm. the special effects, and I don't understand how in one fight scene you can have it all beautifully choreographed and it's absolutely seamless. Next episode, I'm watching and going, you two just fought last week and it was a masterpiece and now you've got jump cuts all over the place to try and make up for it. it oh it was and that terminator moment that's that's when i thought no i've che i've checked out now 
I've never actually seen it. Um, where is it available? Uh, Sky Atlantic, but oh, there Sky. are other sources. No. no. Yeah, it's, you obviously I, I, watch, you you obviously watch films very differently to the way I do, Mark. Well, have you seen <laughs> Space Force? I wouldn't know it <laughs> if it jumped up and bit me. <laughs> you watch it from the end to the beginning. Well, the thing is, it, I've, I've, I was getting a bit paranoid because I'm doing this show with Carl. I've always been a bit worried that if you start reviewing things and dissecting things, can you stand back and not look at like the edits and the cuts and the jump cuts and all that framing was bad and look at it and just enjoy it? And I think you can until such a point it gets your mind starts to wander. Um, Space Force was yeah. a brilliant one where... It it was okay at the start. It had its turning point, then got better. But then some of the shots, it was obvious that they'd. It was a bit of a dull point, and they, you had John Malkovich on the left, uh, sorry, on the right, Steve Carell on the left, and you could tell it was a reshoot because they weren't actually looking at each other properly. They were looking off to the side, and then there's one really nice cut where you see people walking in the background, and then they stop as they come into line with John Malkovich, but they don't go past him. So they've green-screened them in. You see, I I don't think you can. I don't think you can step back once you've started analysing things. It's really, really hard to go back. I remember chatting many years ago with a friend who... um, uh, who likes classical music and i like classical music but i'm also a classically trained musician so i hear things differently to the way he does without a doubt i so you know i'll say oh oh that was a nice horn line in there <laughs> and he'll say As the actress said to the i just hear the music you know i i, I didn't know that was a french or I, I didn't even i couldn't hear it and and, and he was absolutely right because the training i had means that I can separate things out in my head that he can't. So I'm never going to hear it the same way he does. I, I want to know more about your uh, uh, musical training because I too was classically trained. I hope you're recording but, Simon. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm well, I studied at uh, Birmingham School of Music um, and I play French horn and piano and church organ. Wow. Okay. Uh, so I didn't do music as a living, but but I yeah, but but I trained to be a musician. <laughs> I uh, uh, I I was trumpet. Oh right. And uh, a little bit of piano. Um, but um, uh, when it, we pick up other wind instruments, I I could play the brass instruments, yeah. but the woodwinds, I just never got the hang of those and my friends that were french horn players hated it when i would pick up their french horn and play it because you know the your embouchure is different Absolutely. from french horn to trumpet yeah yeah and the mouthpieces are are very different and i actually used a, a flugelhorn mouthpiece on my trumpet so that i had an even larger opening right and so when i would pick up a french horn I bet it felt like putting a needle onto your lips, didn't it? <laughs> it totally did. And then when I when I would start playing, the notes that I that I could hit were so high, and they would be so jealous because they couldn't hit those notes. And for me, they were just popping <laughs> yes. out. Yeah. And you know, and it wasn't that I was a better French horn player because obviously I was not. It's just you know, it was physics. And yeah, I've tried the other way around as well. I, I've, I've tried playing, a, you know, like a tuba or a, a – and it's just different. The, 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 the orchestra is completely different. And it just tend, 
you tend to sound like a French horn player <laughs> trying yes. to play a tuba rather than a tuba player. <laughs> y- yes. Yep. I totally get it. Yep. So yeah. Oh, I didn't know. I hadn't. I didn't. I knew you were musically inclined. I didn't realize that you'd had the training. Yes, and yeah. uh, and it's interesting for me because uh, being classically trained trumpet, uh, I ended up sliding into jazz. Right, and a lot of people thought that was a really weird transition because people have the perception that jazz is this very loose form. Mm. And and they don't understand the precision that is actually required for jazz. So so being yeah. classically trained actually makes it easier to go into jazz. I had a friend at uh, college. Uh, well, I had one or two friends at college who uh, uh, who played jazz as well as being classical musicians. And uh, I always and envied the way really they good. could. Yeah, I always envied the way that they could pick up stuff and just sort of play around with it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because they, because they, they were experienced at it, and um, yeah, I've always wished I could do that. <laughs> you, you know what? Uh, what really helped me to be able to do that was doing all of my drills, working through scales, and uh, and just all of those little, excuse me, practice routines that you do over and over. Oh yeah, because. When you have those, they're they're the building blocks for the uh, for the for the things that you're going to do. Where where uh, you know you have a solo and you're and you're doing a little improv solo, and it's it's not this random thing. It's it's built on what you've already learned. And yeah. so if you have those scales, and and then all of those other little uh, interval routines and arpeggios just all of the absolute basics you start putting those pieces together and uh and now people think you're you're improving but in in reality you're you're doing all of your um uh practice routines just in the right keys yeah which, which i know is is horribly oversimplifying it but i mean at, at its most basic level there you go that's what you're doing yeah, because I mean, in reality, if you were a computer, you would be having to calculate, as you say, what key you're in, what chord progressions would work next, what notes will work in the in the chord progressions that are coming up, <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. But you're sort of just doing it um, almost without thinking about it. Yeah. Except uh, other than it's one of these things, isn't it? Where um, one of the things I used to when I was teaching piano a little. Um, I used to tell my pupils is that it's it's sometimes it's like your fingers have memory. It's not your brain doing it at all. Um, there were some some exercises I used to play um, where I couldn't read the music and play them. I had to memorize them and then play them because <laughs> for some reason my fingers wouldn't work properly if I was reading the music. It's weird. It's almost as if the fingers had the memory. I get it. Um, yeah, there there are some pieces where it's too easy to get focused on the score mm-hmm. and then you, everything else just kind of falls apart because you're so focused on, on the score and, uh, and then you lose it. But if you, if you get all of the elements so that you don't have to focus on the score anymore and then it's yes, the muscle memory. Yeah. yeah I totally get it. I've been there mm-hmm. by the way, this is one of the, the, the funnest, uh, 
conversations I've had on a technology podcast in a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> so not so not to blow your own trumpet then, Jeff, you any good with the old um, wind instruments in general? Uh, you know, it's been a few years since I've played. Oh, no, 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 I'll do that again. Not to blow your own trumpet. <laughs> Anybody? No, no I, I got what you. I got what you did, and I. Oh, and what I was that. doing was uh, was starting like to do. talk, so that it sounded <laughs> like I already had a good comeback ready to go, but I was just <laughs> filling space while my brain was working on um, on on the good comeback. They've just played a few scales there, you know, feeling. Exactly. Hey. I, I, I was improving while uh, while I came up with the the good ending. Well, we all know that or you know, despite what's going on in the world, we all know that we all know that all improv artists just deserve to die. <laughs> improv has improv comedy has no place in this world. <laughs> I'm certainly here feeling rather inadequate because I have no musical skills at all. No, nor me. I'm, I'm, sh I'm sure you have, James. I'm sure you have. It's just it, it, you, you've probably always been told that you haven't. It's one of the annoying things about me, uh, about people generally is uh, they tend to think that they have no skill when, okay, they've got no training, but that doesn't mm -hmm. mean they can't sing. I mean, a few years ago, I joined um, – the, the UK people will have heard of um, – Gareth Malone, um, who uh, who is a, a British guy who has formed a lot of choirs from people who don't normally sing, mm -hmm. uh, and he's done young children and adults, and he did one with some military uh, military wives, uh, which became quite famous in the UK, mm -hmm. um, and uh, he also did one with some workplace uh, um, people. And I happened to be working at one of those places. So I wasn't in the program that he did. Um, but I joined the choir afterwards. And half, more than half of them couldn't read music at all. But why were they picked up music quickly? I couldn't believe how quickly they picked up stuff. We'd literally pick up a piece of music. And because there were a number of people who could read music in the group and could sight sing, they'd actually pick up. By the end of the rehearsal, we'd have that piece of music. Mm -hmm. um, and within a couple of weeks, we'd be singing it well, uh, yeah. and which which I've never experienced in group in choirs that I've been in, who are sort of people who all who who think they can sing, as it were. So well, just because you think you can't sing, doesn't well, mean you can't. In all, in all honesty, I was in the school choir, but that was you know before my voice broke, um, and did enjoy yeah, singing. But, uh, um, I tried, I tried to learn to play. Uh, a musical instrument. I think it was a uh, melodica soprano. It was like one of these things you blew into a keyboard. Oh, I know. Yeah, can't mean what they yeah, call. I know what you mean. Uh, yeah. uh, but I haven't got the patience. That's just the gist of it. No, got the patience. Yes, there's some patience required. <laughs> Definitely. And talent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, I think a lot. I think a lot of it actually is um, is perseverance. Mm. Uh, yes, yes, there's some I talent agree. involved, but it's more about just being prepared to really work at it. Yeah, that, that's that's what it boils down to. Yeah, uh, I mean, some people are very naturally musical, mm -hmm. and and you know, but there aren't many of those. There's a lot like me who, you know, I've just had to work hard at it mm -hmm. to become good at it. And uh, you know, even if you have a natural earth. talent, you still have to work hard at it. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, I I believe that that you have music inside you 
it it's well, just a matter of finding the way to uh, to express it mm-hmm. and to to embrace that inner musician and it can be something as simple as uh, you you tap the steering wheel on your car to the beat of a song on on the radio okay? yeah well, you're I mean, a musician I'll, I'll do have a habit of singing in the bath but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy singing um but not not now. Anyway. Never what say about, never, James. What what hmm? are your guys' takes on these apps then that you see that they say like um did any of you get involved with the whole uh what was it Rocksmith, Rock Band, all those sort of um when that hysteria came out, it's like, you know, clacking away on the guitars, pressing the buttons in time. Do you reckon that actually adds to being able to play an instrument or is it like a faux? You're you're spending all this time learning a pattern. So why not just learn that pattern on an actual proper guitar? Do you think that helped or hindered uh, people wanting to learn music? I think it probably helped. And even though playing the, the, uh, the uh, guitar band, right? Is that what it was called? Yeah, uh, yeah. rock band. Or one of them. But but playing the uh, I don't want to call them toy guitars. The uh, the the game console guitars, where you're pushing buttons. Yeah. Well, that doesn't teach you how to actually play a guitar. You're still learning the uh, the fundamentals to a degree because you're learning how uh, how musical patterns work. Yeah. And you're learning more about about keeping the the beat and as you're as you're doing those things it's reinforcing some of the fundamentals you won't be able to pick up a a a six string guitar and and uh crank out a riff after playing one of those games but you're in a much better position to understand how the the music flows and, and, and it might, and it might, you might just be inspired to think, actually, I really enjoy this. I might give it a go for real. Sure. Yeah. yeah the, the exception to what I said about, about building the, the fundamental skills where you can sit down and actually start playing an instrument would be the, the drums, because you're, you're actually using drumsticks and, and hitting the, the drum mm. pads uh, in those games. So you can take that and translate that to a drum kit and it won't be the same but you'll be in a much much better position to actually start playing real drums yeah if you're if you're getting good at uh at playing in in the the video game versions because i mean the there's a lot of eye hand coordination there the difficulty with learning a lot of instruments is is as, as we said a few minutes or two ago it's the dedication it's it's the the learning curve takes time and uh, to become some people believe i've had people come to me for piano lessons who believe that if they work hard enough they can you know knock this on the head in six months and and it just doesn't work like that especially because there's there's an awful lot of um which is what something jeff said earlier there's an awful lot of repetitive stuff that is necessary to make you fit enough to be able to do some of the later stuff uh, and by fit, I don't necessarily mean because um, if you saw me, you'd think, "Well, he's not fit." <laughs> but uh, but the strength, for instance, in a brass instrument, the strength of your embouchure, and for a pianist, the agility of the fingers only comes with doing quite a lot of uh, uh, of, of fairly repetitive things that just strengthen the muscles in your fingers or your embouchure, mm-hmm. and that takes time. You also need to be able to keep time as well. 
Um, you could you, you probably could learn to play a musical instrument, but keeping to time with the rest of the group uh, is important. I would have thought. Yeah, they reckon eighty percent of they reckon eighty percent of uh, mistakes that are made by professionals mm. musicians are rhythmic. So uh, you're you're absolutely right. Rhyth- r- rhythm is a um, it's a complicated thing. Mm. <laughs> even even <laughs> with the jazz stuff you hear. You know, even with the likes of the jazz stuff you hear, that's all squeaky, squawky, plinky, blonkety stuff. They've still got uh, timing with it. It's not just oh yeah, uh, random it's more notes. flexible. Yeah. With jazz, your timing is more flexible, and 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 you can mm-hmm. pull things around so that uh, so because quite a lot of um, of music is 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 learning the technical way of doing it, and then doing playing it the way that feels right. Mm. Yes, and you know and. When when you're like really getting loose and free form with with your music in a jazz piece, that's probably not the entire piece because everyone else needs to to be able to play along at, at least at some point. So there's there's going to be a structured beat somewhere along the way. And if you it, if you if you don't have everyone on the same page for that, well, then your your piece is going to sound yeah. weird at best or awful, most likely. So even still, when when you get through that that loosey goosey part where you're really playing around with timing, mm-hmm. there's there's going to be some cue that everyone is uh, is watching for, and when that happens, everyone kicks in to the same beat and don't don't you think um uh, jeff that sometimes as well it's a bit weird it's almost psychic oh yeah, yeah there, are, there are there are occasions when you might do something a bit different and everyone goes with it, uh, it, it even though they they didn't know you were going to do that <laughs> yeah everyone just just goes with it and it's amazing when you're you're playing with a group of people uh, something like that's happening and you've played together enough that you can read each other's body language yeah because there's so much that uh that you can convey while you're playing just with your body language and uh and everyone else just picks up on it and they're like oh okay he's about to uh to to shift out of his his solo or um I, I I know that position. We're about to change keys, or <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. So you know, that's one of the reasons why I've have enjoyed going to um, to the the live jazz concerts that happen near me. I'm lucky enough that one of the coffee shops that's here in Boulder does did live music every night of the week and. And so there'd be like one night a week where it would be this jazz band that would come in. And so um, I'm looking forward to a time when, when that can happen again so that I can go and watch because half the fun was watching the, the band work together because you know, while everyone else is sitting there just listening to the music, there'd be me and a couple other musicians or, um, 
I, I'm lumping myself in with with the musicians, even though I actually haven't played for a few years now. But whatever. Anyhow, so we'd be sitting there, and we'd all give each other those those little knowing looks, like, "Yeah, we we saw the body language. We we saw it was just about to happen." And it 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 was fun, not just for the music, but to watch the unspoken communication that was happening with with the group. I, I, there was quite a long period where um, you get so busy making music yourself that you don't actually get chance to sit back and listen to other people making music. And um, oh, a number of years ago now, a friend um, uh, gave me a few uh, classical concert tickets and I hadn't been to classical concerts for years. And I'd forgotten how wonderful live music is. I mean, I was absolutely blown. The first concert I went to, I can't remember what it was now, but I was absolutely blown away by it, by the professionalism of the musicians and and just by the the feeling in the in the concert hall. <laughs> it was it was a revelation because I mean I knew all of that from years and years before, but I'd, it, there'd been quite a big gap, and I'd forgotten how wonderful live listening to live music is. I'm glad you music. found that again. You what? Sorry, I'm glad you found that again because yes, the the live music thing. There's just such a wonderful feeling, and it's a, it's a communication between the the band and the audience, or the yeah. orchestra and the audience. And I, I'm lucky that the the area that I'm in has up up until we ended up in our in our uh, uh, pandemic world. All summer long, there would be multiple free concerts, like throughout the week, every week, all summer long. So at uh, almost any evening, I could walk out my front door and walk no more than than four or five blocks and be at a free outdoor concert. That's cool. Yeah. The other thing about uh, you know live music, actually going and hearing live music being played, it's a, it's a much more honest music. Um, it's unlike uh, CDs and tapes and all this kind of stuff, you know, recording studio stuff, where it's all you know manipulated into a, you know, to sound really, really good. Takes out all the the bad bits of it. You're hearing a more honest way of music being played. I mean, used to used to go up to um, we we have a theatre called the Cumberland Theatre, otherwise known as the Cottage Theatre. And they would have live sessions um, for just anybody to turn up and play a bit of music. Um, you got some some really good ones. You got some mediocre ones, but they they just got up and did the wee bit and for five minutes, and that was it finished. Um, but it's, you know, you certainly get a more honest sound off them, mistakes and all. Yes, you absolutely. know. Yes, uh, there. I'm I'm sad to say that it's gone now. But there was this Irish pub just a few blocks from me. And when I say Irish pub, I, I mean, they actually took a pub from Ireland, disassembled it, brought it to Boulder, and put it back together. And, Did it uh, have a bicycle in the window? Otherwise, it's not a true paddy pub. <laughs> I think at one point it did. <laughs> actually, yeah. Um, but uh, anyhow, what they would do... Is uh, is have an open music night uh, throughout the month, and so you get all of these people that would show up 
with their their instruments and very few of them were people that played together regularly but of course everyone knew all the same songs and they would start playing and you'd have these these amazing impromptu concerts just from these people that got together and uh, and and would just play and someone would say hey does everyone know this you know wh- whatever th- this specific folk tune or wh- whatever it was and everyone else would say oh yeah yeah and then they'd start playing and uh, and it'd be like the the first couple notes you'd have half the people in one key and half the people in another key and every single time the the half that decided they were in the wrong key is always the same group of people it seemed like and they would just jump over to the other key so you didn't have people scrambling trying to to jump back and forth between keys they would just first couple notes oh i want to switch to their key and then everyone's in the same key and off they go and it was uh it, it was great Absolutely cool. loved yeah. it. So I could I could sit at this this Irish pub in Boulder, have a pint or two, or maybe a nice whiskey. Listen to, <clears throat> excuse me, to uh, to uh, traditional Irish folk tunes played live, and it it was just awesome. I I'm really going to miss that place. I will admit, there's a local pub near me that used to have some cracking bands on on Saturday night, all nice guitar, sort of rock, blues sort of bass. And some of the bands were absolutely phenomenal, and they deserved to be playing in more of a room than just sort of half a dozen people. And that's one of the things I miss about living where I live, is that there is no live music scene. We, we maybe get a band in a pub once or twice in the summer, but that's it, and I, I really miss that sort of thing from being in one of the, that them their cities. Hmm. Man, that that's just sad. It, oh, it's yeah, it, it, it's the it's the locals. It'll be all oh, no one's going to come out and see a band. Nobody will turn up, and then it just um, facilitates the what's it called? Um, facilitates the oh, the belief that. Nobody's saying everyone's saying that nobody will go out, so nobody will go out instead of someone being a bit optimistic and saying, "Well, you know, come on, we'll." You know. This is the thing: people make the effort to go out for cheap food into a, a, a branch of pubs we've got here called Weatherspoons, religiously, but get them to go out and listen to some live music or support something, you know, like a live event. It's bloody hard work. Yeah. <clears throat> It's man, that's just sad. I, I, I wish there there was more live music for you. Yeah, I, I, have, to, I have to say that um, when we had pubs <laughs> in the days in before, the before time, yeah, in the before time when we had pubs, that um, the the music scene uh, where I live in in Suffolk is quite vibrant. A lot of pubs will have bands on once or twice a week, so. Um, it's not. It's not all as uh, maybe where Mark lives. Maybe they're they're all a bit uh, down on it. But around here, it's usually a fairly thriving music scene. So you know, and there'll be uh, different pubs have different things. So there'll be jazz nights or rock evenings or mm-hmm. folk music, all sorts. So um, so yeah, my but... my latest project is um, 
because of lockdown and um, not being able to um, worship regularly uh, with other people, um, we, I've been um, the technical end behind putting streaming worship online. Um, but one of the other things I've been meaning to do, and I've literally just started doing it, is actually recording some music for um, uh, for worship. So um, I've been setting up. Um, I went and got some microphones and things from down at church, and uh, bought myself a, a mixing de little mixing desk and. Uh, I've got it all plugged into a PC because that was what I'd got spare. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was easier to move around than my Mac. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I've just started to – I quite like playing with the uh, the mixing desk. It's got, like, special effects on it, and I can make it, I can make it sound like a hall or a – it's actually really quite clever. It wasn't terribly expensive. So we can uh, see you on a Friday night doing a live stream session and matching up <laughs> oh. some – Good old. I'm not sure. About that. I'm certainly putting some music together for uh, for, for worship. So, uh, so there we go. So that's, that's a little bit different from me. Uh, normally down at church playing the church organ, and uh, I enjoy that a lot. But, uh, but this but is. The, uh, but the question is: Have you done a Madden? Have you gone and got Madden? yourself? A, yes. And have you got to get yourself a new Gato stream deck, and then have lots of background USB lighting as well for your streams? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I haven't gone quite that far. <laughs> well, the, the the week is young. Indeed, indeed. I, I will admit, I am slightly envious that he's got a button, and I'm not going to break any fourth walls. He's got a button that he can press that literally is like um, quagmire mode of clapping your hands, and the lights go on, and it dims all the other stuff, and it brings up the web pages, and I'm going, God, I hate being poor. <laughs> I've always meant to ask you, Nick. Where did you learn, or how did you learn to play the organ? Because surely our church organs not all kind of individual. Um, the, well, sort of. Um, I mean, they're basically they're effectively the same instrument. So uh, they have a number of different keyboards. They're called manuals on organs. Uh, and you have different combination stops on different instruments. But that's all you're doing there. It's a little bit like using a mixing desk. All you're doing there is choosing the mix that you want, and you get to learn what type of sounds certain um, stops have. Um, so you know what sort of things will mix together, and you learn that over time. Uh, and that, that's the same for all instruments. So it doesn't matter how big the organ is. Um, I mean, I think one of the largest is in the Wanamaker store in Philadelphia. Um, and it's on five different floors. <laughs> I went there it's, once. It's amazing. It's incredible, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. But it's a huge console. I mean, it, I, I think it's got seven manuals. I bet, I, I don't know how you reach them, in all honesty, because that's a lot of keyboards. It's, um, but effectively, you know, they're all the same thing. So I, I started to learn the piano first. I started when I was nine to learn the piano and I'm 60 now so <laughs> that a long time ago uh and it was in my um late early teens that the, an organist at church said would you like to learn to play the organ because they're not even though they're both keyboards they're quite different techniques to play them um and I, I said well yes I would like to uh, and it's then I started. I had a few lessons off this guy, and then sadly he passed away. 
And uh, I, I must have only had about 12 lessons of him. But I'd got enough to sort of carry on doing it uh, under my belt because I, you have to sort of be about grade six piano, which is quite quite decent pianist before you have a go at playing the organ. We don't have to, but that's usually what happens. Yeah, there's a big, there's um, a big, a big jump from going from a piano to an organ because you're you're not only playing with your hands, you're playing with your feet as well. Uh, there is there is a jump, but there's a, um, as Jeff was talking about at the beginning, it, a lot of it is is all about repetition and about practice and and practicing the right things. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the difficulties with playing the organ is that when you first start, for some reason, and it's to do with the side of the brain that you're using, your left hand wants to do what your pedals are doing. And, and you sort of have to break that habit to start with. So there's quite a lot of just left hand and pedals to start with to actually sort of break that sort of connection. Otherwise, you, yeah, your left hand wants to do what your pedals do. Uh, yeah. And eventually, you look, it becomes like any other thing where you do enough of it, like driving a car. You don't think about driving the car. You just get in the car and you, you go. And, is a rest. And, 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 and in some ways, learning uh, the technical bits of learning an instrument, I like that. that it, it's just doing enough of it and you become good at it. What is a stop? Yeah, explain that to uh, a stop. Liam. So, um, so with, a, with an organ, when you, when you press the key on, on the keyboard, um, so there are different ways of this to work, but I'll give you the, the most modern one. Uh, so there's an electrical connection which um, opens a pipe. Now, it doesn't know which pipe to open until you select uh, a stop. So the stop is like the sort of the type of sound that you want to sound. Right. Yeah. Yep. So the, the stop, uh, it stops the airflow to a pipe or allows the airflow to a pipe. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Would that be right? It's similar to like a piano where you you can muffle the, the notes or leave it to ring on. No, it's exactly the opposite. So yeah, as soon right. as you release the key, the sound stops. Right, and and that's why I said it's quite a different technique because with the piano you've got you've got sustain pedals to help the note ring ring on. Uh, there's nothing like that on an organ. So. You, when you learn to play, actually, when you learn to play the organ, it sort of wrecks your piano playing <laughs> because you learn to sort of do this like crab-like uh, movement with your fingers to, to cover the notes that you need to hold down because, as I say, if you let go, they'll stop. And if you put a pianist on an organ, it sounds like, well, it sounds a bit weird. It, 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 it all sounds very staccato. Yes, it sounds very choppy because they don't realize that you've got literally got to hold on to those keys if you want them to sound you've got to hold them um, so it is quite different uh, the technique is quite different um, but i do enjoy playing the organ i love playing the organ in fact i think it's probably almost my favorite instrument well one of the, one of the most favorite um, pieces i enjoy uh, playing the organ is the i cannot remember the name of the 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 piece, but it's usually done uh, in like horror films. You know the probably um, Toccata in Fugue in D minor. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Da -na -na, oh, da -na 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 -na. That's a great piece. That yes, yes, it is. Yeah, there are you know, obviously there's a lot that I like, but uh, mm -hmm. but that is a fun one. It's quite yeah. difficult to play as well, actually. <laughs> so 
to to add a little bit more to uh, to the musical uh, discussion or experience thing, my mom is a professional liturgical organist, oh, and right. so when when I was a teenager, she was uh, uh, going through the the intense training because it's more than just practice and rehearsal. I mean, it's training and. Um, uh, so for a lot of what you're doing, um, you're so busy playing as the, the organist, as the musician that you, you need a backup person to turn pages on the music and pull yeah. stops. And since, since I was already accomplished as a teenager, um, my mom would take me with her to to rehearsals and to performances and so i would sit on the organ bench with her and i would turn pages and i knew what stops to pull when she couldn't pull them and uh and i, I remember when she was doing toccata and fugue and D because it's just it's it's one of those pieces everyone has to know if you're if you're an organist uh I knew that I had to move farther to the edge of the bench so that she had more room for her arms and legs as she was jumping around and playing stuff. And anyhow, so yes, I, I totally get how much work you have put into learning how to play that because that's quite a piece. Yeah. And there's, there's other skills you learn as well as you go along. I mean, the, <laughs> One of the one of the skills I've learned, and I suppose this this isn't jazz, but it's along the same lines. It, uh, it's it's to learn to play what my mother used to call scribble, um, and and that is um, uh, so you're playing a piece of music, and something's happening in the church, and you get to the end of the piece of music, but but the thing in church hasn't finished, so you carry on. <laughs> so, so you and call you that make, scribble? You make it up as you go along. Uh, my mother used to call it scribble. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, the 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 term over here um, is noodling. Noodling. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's exactly it. Uh, so basically, you, you know what sort of style you're playing in. You understand how the chords all fit together, and you just play something that sounds a little bit like what you've just been playing, mm -hmm. but isn't exactly the same. I like that. So, so scribbling, noodling, I like that. Yeah. Well, I, I must admit, I was very impressed once. Um, uh, I went to East Germany when before the war came down, not long before the war came down. And um, I went with a, a choir, uh, and we sang in the uh, Marienkirche in um, East Germany, in Berlin. Wow. And... Um, uh, but we also got to hear their organist, and and basically what they had was like a, a chorale like um, piece of music in front of them, but they would they would extemporize all the way around. It was incredible what they did, uh, and and because because they um, they'd done this as ch from children, you know, it became very natural to them, uh, and they asked uh, the one of the mu the uh, musicians who from the choir who was an, an organist uh, to have a go and my word you could tell the difference I mean they were doing very well but nowhere near what these East German guys were doing they were, they were incredible and again it's sort of upbringing and, and training and, and you know they learned a different way of doing things 
That's very cool. It is. Yes, I think that's cool. Well, that's got us an intro for the podcast anyway, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not complaining. I mean, as a, as a non-musical type person, I, I honestly find things like this, you know, going behind the scenes and learning about it quite, um, you know, quite fascinating. Yeah, definitely. Well, this, this, this week on the Essential Musical Show. There we go. Why not? Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> well, we might as well stick on the same topic then, because Jeff... But now you've got some free time on your hands. What are you going to do? You, you you alluded to this before to this before we started the show. Um, well, I have to decide, don't I? At some point, is this another thing that we're not supposed to talk about? Your 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 potential audio experiment. Oh, no, we can talk about that. Yeah, so um, you're saying that you might start a new podcast? Yes, uh, you know. It's been a long time since I've had my own show. And when you've been in the podcasting world for a long time, it, it becomes part of who you are. And I, and I absolutely love being someone that gets invited on to a lot of shows because I get to have so many cool conversations. I mean, today is a perfect example and i get to to virtually hang out with so many cool people but having your own show is just kind of a, a thing that that sticks with you and so i've been thinking about uh, about starting up my own podcast and uh, i have some ideas bouncing around in my head and we'll we'll see what comes of that. But I, I'm thinking it's about time for me to get my my own show going because it's been way too long. Are you are you talking about um, a technology podcast? Or are you going to go into something completely different? Yes, which is the most horrible answer to give you. That that does concise. <laughs> yes. Okay. So <laughs> answer I'd give Jeff. Here's, here's my idea. My my idea is there are so many interesting people to to talk with, and these people. I mean, like I know so many people in the technology space, and these people all have very interesting things to share. And some of them will be about technologies, but I'm interested in the people, and I'm interested in their stories. So. I've been thinking that uh, that talking with all of these people about the other interesting parts of their lives could be really, really uh, fun. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. good. There was a chap who did something similar on the Mind Network with Peter, and I can't remember his last name now. Who did something similar? And I always liked, and I, I, I always liked that format because you know we could sit there and talk tech, but I often think that the best conversations or the best shows to listen to are, all, are when it's organic and you start getting to know the person and then why they've done so-and-so and so-and-so instead of just hearing about, you know, the, the programmatical, the programmatical processes. Try saying that again, blimmin' hell. <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty impressive. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I just love how interesting people are. And there, there are so many times when 
excuse me, when we have this image of someone and it's just based on the one part of their life that we see. And yeah. it might it might be this person is really cool, they're a programmer. Or this person is really cool and they're they're a systems analyst, you know, whatever it is. But they're more than just that title. And knowing more about who they are and what their story is just sounds really compelling to me. It takes me back, you know, Jeff, to um, when I was quite young and I was, um, I'd, my first job uh, was actually in the civil service. And um, actually, I think it was, while, it was while I was at college. So it was during the summer while I was at college, I was working as uh, just as a summer job. And um, at the time, we were they were struggling with the building that we were in, and they they hired a hall um, to um, take part of the work out to uh, where I was going to be working. And when we got there uh, to set up, there was a piano. Now, most people knew that I was a musician, but they'd never heard me play. And when I actually played something... They were gobsmacked that you really, really can play. Because <laughs> as yes. you say, as you say, you see one person part of someone's life, uh, and you hear them talk. But until you experience that other part of their lives, you don't realise. You know, in your head, you probably don't know all the things that they know. <laughs> so yeah, I like the sound of that. Awesome. All right. Well, now. Excuse me. Now I suppose this means I need to start lining up some guests and, uh, and make this happen. I mean, do you, do, I mean, on the technical side of things, do you, are you going to go with self-hosting or are you going to go down the anchor route? Have you, um, have you given any thought to that side of things? Of course I have. I mean, considering how long I've been in the podcasting community, the the technical side of it is running through my head parallel with the content side of it. And that's weird. Something just started. <laughs> okay, this is really funny. My HomePod just started playing uh, Mac Observer's Daily Observations podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's so weird. Again. I guess it was kind of eavesdropping. Anyhow, um, yes, on the technical side, um, I'll... I'll uh, uh, I'll use Audio Hijack to record the the audio for the whole show. I'll use um, uh, uh, Loopback to set up all my virtual inputs. And for any additional audio, like if I'm going to use bumpers, um, I'll be using Farago for that. So I guess what I'm saying is uh, Rogue Amoeba is my go-to for my podcast setup. Uh, and then for hosting, um, in I, I like the idea of having more control over uh, my content. So I'll end up uh, uh, hosting the show through Blueberry. And then, of course, I'll have my own website, and uh, and then I'll just use a Blueberry plugin uh, on my website to make sure that each episode shows up as it, as it should on the site. 
and uh, and I'll give you a disclaimer here. Um, I have no official association with uh, with with Blueberry or Rogue Amoeba. They're they're just companies that make products that that uh, I have used before and work really well for me. So uh, there you go. That's that's what I'll be using. Over the years, I've been listening to podcasts that you've been on. Um, was it, uh, I think the first one I was heard you on was is it Mac Geek Gab? Mac Geek Gab was that something like that? I can't remember the title. Um, uh, yeah, Dave and John. I love uh, both of them. What did what did you how did you get into podcasting? Uh, was it just by accident, or did uh, <laughs> that's you know? It's funny you would ask that because. To me, I, I find it to be a, a, a funny story. Um, I, I ended up getting into podcasting sort of by accident. Uh, what happened was I, I had been working at the Mac Observer. Uh, it was still a, a, a pretty new job for me. So like only a few months. And one of the people that, that was working with Mac Observer at the time, his name was Ricky Spiro. And he had a... Um, uh, a weekly podcast that he had started up where he was just reading some of the top news stories that Mac Observer had written for the week. And Ricky has the kind of voice where he could have done a podcast where he's reading the phone book and people would have listened to the show because his voice is just that good. And so he reached out and said that he was going to try a new thing on the podcast where instead of him just reading news articles, he wanted to, to add in some context. So he wanted to have a segment where he had someone from the Mac Observer writing, <clears throat> excuse me, writing team on board to uh, to talk about uh, the context for some of these stories, and uh, you know, essentially do a little bit of editorializing and analysis on the show as opposed to just presenting the news. And so he asked me if I would would do it as an experiment. And the plan was he was going to have different people from from the team each week. So I said okay, and uh, and then realized I'd never done anything like that before, and was absolutely terrified that this was going to make me look like a complete idiot. And then I realized I didn't have any of the right equipment because I'd never podcast before. So I took the Bluetooth headset from my phone, paired it to my Mac, and used that. And it sounded like I was like on a satellite phone in a war zone. <laughs> it was absolutely awful. And we get through the the whole show, and we recorded on a on a Friday afternoon. And then he released it on the weekend, and I was pretty sure on Monday that I was going to to get a call saying it's been great working with you but uh, we don't need your services anymore <laughs> never 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 darkened my door again yeah. <laughs> right well that didn't happen much to my surprise and uh, then the the next episode is coming up and Ricky says hey that went so well i want to do it again with you and you know and we'll work out the whole system and i thought okay so i did it and uh, and then the third week rolls around, and he says, okay, I want to do it with you again. And I did it. And then the fourth week rolls around, and he says, you know what? You're just my co-host on the show now. <laughs> and 
at that point, I had to go and buy a microphone because the uh, the headset thing just wasn't going to work anymore. And then there you go. I was suddenly a podcaster. And it just kind of grew and evolved. And uh, and here we are today. We, so, uh, yeah, I guess it was find, kind of by accident. Yeah, we often find, don't we, they sort of just slip into these sort of things. I, I, I was always listened to a lot of podcasts. And... Um, quite often I'd find myself disagreeing with what was being said. And at some point I suddenly thought, I really ought to have a go at this because it, it literally is just a group of people just chatting about things. And I've got just as much, just as valid um, opinions as anybody else. So why don't I have a go at it? And, you know, the, the, um, at the time that uh, one of the podcasts was sort of saying, if anyone wants to come on, and I thought, well, go on, I'm going to have a go at this. And okay, I was a bit nervous to start with because it's it's just something new, isn't it? Um, but after a little while, you sort of settle into it and you think it literally is just people having a chat about stuff. It doesn't matter whether you're right or whether you're wrong. Just, <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> have a say. And, uh, you know, literally, I'd, I'd, like you, I I wondered at some point whether I ought to um, have uh, a podcast of my own. In fact, I spoke to uh, Simon about it about 18 months ago still not got round to it because <laughs> I know there's a lot of quite a lot of work involved in getting it going and setting it up and inviting guests and things but well but there you go. That, I mean, yeah. these days you can just download um, Anchor and that's it away you go just record your audio edit it if you want and then you can just upload it they although some of their practices are a little bit iffy. They've done the one thing. They've they've made it so, so easy. I mean, when I got started, I was using uh, Opinion, which was free for up to 10 minutes of audio. Mm -hmm. uh, and later on, they actually allowed you to upload audio uh, from your device, but you had to do it all live there and then. I thought that was a, a good premise. But unfortunately, they got so busy. And then, like quite a lot of apps, they plateaued off. Um, even though I paid for the uh, unlimited hosting, was well, I think I paid and made a one-off purchase for something like ten dollars, and I got unlimited hosting. Wow! Yeah, like, I think there was a, like a limit of an hour of audio or some um, file size. But let's face it, if you've got an hour of audio and you're going over a hundred meg, there's something not quite right there. Um, so, yeah, but the, I think the barrier to entry is so easy now because you can go down the Jeff route of going to um, Bluehost or we use Pinecast and do all that. But I think if you've got an, a, 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 I don't know about Android, just an iOS device and a semi decent microphone, and you can start with that and then you can just go on the internet, use tools like Audacity or um, mm -hmm. loopback and just start fiddling with the EQ, start learning how to level out and remove background pops and clicks. And then that, it soon becomes like golf because you go, if only I had that extra cable or a better boom arm <laughs> or a slightly better microphone. Yes. Yeah. I, yes. It is so tempting. It's, you know, like, okay. So I use a Rode Podcaster as my microphone now which is what i'm speaking into right now and there's that uh that that road um it's the deck they make and i just NT, forgot the name of it the nt usb yeah w yeah where it's like like the whole mixer board and oh, uh, no, i think no, it was no, just yeah. called the road is it just called the roadcaster that kind of all-in-one yeah desk and, and i'm sorry i don't remember the name 
the product right now, but yes, I, I think, yeah, like the roadcaster or something like that. And it would be so cool to have that. And I would love to get one, but at the same time, do I really need one? Because I have this setup that works perfect for me right now. And, uh, and what would I do with that? I, I would just complicate a setup that's, that's already working great. Um, although if I did have one, it would be really easy to use my iPad Pro as an entire recording station. Oh, mm. there, there is the dream, isn't it? That we want to be able to do podcasting, be able to record the incoming and the outgoing audio from a pod, uh, from a call using the iPad. Great news. Nemo's hardware store is back. There's a company called Zvox, Z-V-O-X, Zvox, that makes a headphone called the A50. comes with a case, carrying case, and you can fold the headphones up flat to put them in the case. The A50s can work wired or wireless. Very, very long line-of-sight Bluetooth range. Come in four colors that I like very much. Pink, red, blue, and black. We got the red ones for review, and they're very attractive. Cost is only $70 in the U.S., and we will find out about the international and U.K., availability as soon as we can. They're extremely lightweight and very comfortable. The audio is exceptionally bright with tremendous voice clarity, particularly well boosted in the mid-range. So if you know how to EQ or equalize your audio, you can play around with that. But even out of the box, once they're charged up for Bluetooth wireless audio, they are very, very present. They have active noise canceling on or off. Very easy to go in and out of it. And for low-end headphones, they are really highly recommended here from Nemo's Hardware Store. I've reviewed and used many, many headphones over the years, and really what it comes down to is comfort and sound. Well, comfort and weight and fit and all that other physical stuff, the A50s by Zvox, ZVOX, are immediately jumping to the top of the class. Outstandingly comfortable and lightweight, plus so convenient folding up like that. As far as the audio is concerned, if you like a bright, brilliant, very present voice quality, these are the ones to get. Recreational use and for travel, you can't beat these, especially in the four different colors that come in. So check out our links for the Zvox A50 headphones, wireless Bluetooth. The official name is the A50 noise-canceling headphones with AccuVoice technology. We will have the links in our show notes, and I'm delighted to be back here on Essential Apple Podcast. We've got a half a dozen more things that have arrived for our review, so I'll do my best to have something here every week on our show. So, uh, Jeff, where can people find you around the internet? I, I am so easy to find. I mean, if you Google me, you'll find me. But Twitter and Instagram, I'm Gam at both places, and, uh, and I... I am looking forward to chatting with everyone on social media and then like tons of shows because I have this thing where I can't help myself. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I love podcasting. Yep. You're just a guy who can't say no. <laughs> yeah, Never that's pretty boy. much it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mark, where's, where's your stuff? 
Uh, right, you can get me on YouTube at Essential Apple, where I'm trying to do at least one review a week of stuff I've got on my shelf of procrastination, which is basically tech that's old, but it's not old enough to be retro, and it's coming up with mixed results. And you can also catch me on the Watching Men podcast as well with my co-host, Carl Madden. Very good. Uh, and Nick? Uh, you can find me very occasionally on Twitter as Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. And uh, you can hear me occasionally over on Bart's Let's Talk Apple too. Very good. And uh, Jim? Uh, in the Slack group, um, on Flickr as the SRPS Paint Shop. Uh, also uh, on Flickr as the Essential Apple uh, Flickr group. I'm the administrator. And I have a, a channel on Vimeo, which I cannot remember the name of. It's <laughs> 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 my mind. Send, send it across to us and I will put it out as a tweet. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, and of course, you can follow me on the Twitter as at Serenak, and that's S E R E N A K. Um, there we are. All of the stuff for the show, of course, is on the essentialapple.com website. And uh, I think we'll wrap it up for this week. So uh, until next time, we'll all say goodbye. Goodbye. Cheerio. Cheerio. And thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming. Indeed. Always a pleasure, Jeff. Always a pleasure. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Shots and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. This is Mike's computer. I really think you need to listen to Geekiest Show Ever. Melissa, Elisa and Mike work really hard to make a good podcast that will last the test of time. They are smart, informative and concise. Who am I kidding? They show up and talk for an hour or so and I have to listen to their dribble. I beg you listen to the podcast so I feel like my life has meaning and I won't go into a kernel panic and end it all. Listen to the geekiest show ever on the MyMac Podcasting Network. This has been the Essential Apple Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and we look forward 
to you joining us again another time. Until then, goodbye.